Hello, listener. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 79. weekend what's going on happy fall happy just after veterans day late belated halloween belated election day early thanksgiving the leaves are yellow the sun just came out after two or three rainy days yesterday was so dark all day i felt like i was in alaska again it really bummed me out and this morning it was pretty dark too but it's it's yeah, the sun just came out. It's very exciting. I'm questioning my decision of doing this podcast right now because I could be outside frolicking in the leaves. Because that's the thing I do a lot of in my life. Frolicking in the leaves. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I just uh, installed Mac OS Big Sur on this machine. So that was kind of a brave thing. Updated GarageBand and said, screw it. I'm going to do my podcast and see if it works. And it seems to be working. It seems to be working. Uh, I don't think I like what's going on with my audio here, though. But I guess there's not a lot I can do about that right at the moment. Yeah, maybe that's better. Uh, anyway, yeah, so new computer with new OS on it. Uh, my audio interface won't work with Big Sur. You know, I was just having a talk with some of my musician friends about this, and uh, they all, you know, they never update their OS because they're using audio interfaces and software from companies that don't like to keep up. And, you know, I, I, I like to keep my computer up to date. And uh, several years ago, I decided to sort of embrace the Apple audio system by using GarageBand and Logic. So, you know, but I did that mainly so that I could use the latest OS, right? When it comes out, I would get the new version of Logic with it like I did today and I'd just be able to work and it all would work great and I'm really into that and I enjoy that and uh but Apollo Universal Audio does not conform to that they still haven't even made uh 64-bit apps and Apple's been nagging them for a year so I'm gonna just go ahead and get myself a Focusrite audio interface their website said today that they are all Big Sur compatible and, you know, I know that Focusrite doesn't have as good of preamps as uh, Universal Audio does, but I'm just going to roll with it. I'm going to roll with it. So I did a tempor temporary studio rewiring. I unhooked the audio interface. I used the headphone out jack and just plugged it straight into my Mackie mixer so I could still hear my music through my studio monitors. And uh, for headphones, I'm using the little uh, secondary headphone jack I have on my Thunderbolt dock today. So it's very exciting. It's a whole new world. Yeah, you know, we still need that. Uh, obviously, big times, big news. The big news here on day 250 of my quarantine, 250. That's kind of insane. Anyway, the big news, obviously, was the election. Uh, that, was a, that was a pretty rough couple of days. I, was, I, was, uh, I did pretty good. You know, I, I wasn't glued to the TV or anything like that. I, I went for an election night. I decided to stay up, and that was hard. I told myself rationally that I knew we didn't, it was going to go along. And, uh, 
not to get freaked out, but I also held out hopes that the polls were accurate and uh, we could eke out wins in Florida and North Carolina. And because if that was the case, the night would have been over early. And uh, ironically, so those are the two states, <laughs> two swing states we didn't win. Uh, but that took three days to find out. So I was not feeling super awesome when I went to bed uh, Tuesday night. When I woke up Wednesday and we, uh, Michigan and Wisconsin hadn't flipped yet, but they were going in that direction. And I could kind of sort of get a handle on things. And I start, started feeling not quite so bad. Still a bundle of stress, but I realized this was going to go long. I'm very deeply thankful I took the week off of work. So I had Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday off. I could do manual labor, but I wouldn't have been able to do intelligent, you know, labor that used my brain. So that's what I did. I did yard work, all sorts of manual labor things, a lot of garage reorganization. I, I built a workbench surface for our workbench, rearranged things, got a better workbench going. I got a piece, uh, a piece of plywood, sanded it down, screwed it on top across multiple workbenches to make one smooth surface. Uh, you know, clean and reorganize the garage to get ready for the chest freezer, which finally arrived, but we're donating it to the food bank until after Thanksgiving, but I was still figured I should make the space for it. Did a lot of gardening stuff. I, I, I cut down all my chili pepper plants and I put them in the garage and watered and fertilized them uh, for overwintering. You can, uh, chili pepper plants are perennials. You can overwinter them by leaving them in your garage. Uh, if you live somewhere warm, you can just leave them outside, but I have to bring them in. So I did that, uh, you know, uh, vacuumed up leaves to make some leaf mold mulch, worked on or compost, worked on my compost pile, really just tried to distract myself. And then every couple hours between each task, I would sort of open up the New York Times app and, and look at the, how the races are going. And, you know, they're all generally going in our direction until Arizona stopped going in our direction and started going in the wrong direction. So then the commensurate uh, stress about can, you know, Trump catch up in Arizona which ironically wasn't called till late last night, <laughs> a week later, pretty crazy, huh? more than a week later. God. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so we made it, we made it, but we didn't make the Senate. And, uh, so I am not, I'm not the celebratory type. Uh, never mind this giant third wave of the coronavirus and the fact that like it's worse than it's ever been. And I don't live in a city, but there's no way in hell I would have gone out celebrating because I don't feel that the job is done. I, I think that, like, basically the metaphor I've been using is we're a train and we were chugging away full steam ahead on a track that was heading for a cliff. We stopped the train. I was very excited, so we're not going over a cliff at the moment. But the engine is teetering over the edge of the cliff, and we decided to have a party in the dining car. When really what we should be doing is getting out of the train, obviously, to save ourselves, but also to save the train, we should, you know, be figuring out a strategy, maybe using uh, stakes in the ground and ropes and chains and maybe a winch, maybe another train. <laughs> the metaphor breaks down after a while. But uh, I genuinely didn't feel like celebratory. I felt a lot of relief uh, and I, I felt good, but not in the way that a lot of people did. Because I'm too deep into politics and, uh, you know, so now I'm newly obsessed with the, well, not newly, who am I kidding? I've been obsessed with the Georgia races for years. So all eyes are on Georgia. Uh, we had a few days where we, we held out hope that perhaps Cal Cunningham here in North Carolina or Al Gross in Alaska could pull it through. But I knew both of those were long shots. Really disappointed in Cal Cunningham, by the way. I am not a centrist by policy. I, I've, I'm going to put my, hold on, sorry. 
Sorry, I put my pop filter back in front of the mic. I, I moved it and forgot to put it back. Anyway, I'm not a centrist by policy. I consider myself very progressive by policy, but I am much more of a pragmatist in terms of getting from point A to point B. I like to actually get to point A to point B and not just die on the principle that we should be at point B, right? So, uh, you know, by that measure, Cal Cunningham was a compromise. Uh, he was the candidate we had. He's the candidate, the one in the, the, the primary in this blue state against a more progressive or this red state against a more progressive challenger. So we had to go with the guy where the guy just kind of he was so boring and milk toast. He kept <laughs> the day before the election, we saw some ad and he was like, I promise to be a force for this and this in the, in the Senate. And Emma and I are like you, all you need to do is promise that you shut up and caucus with the Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he lost. He lost. He had been consistently polling ahead of Biden or uh, yeah, ahead of Biden here in North Carolina. He was polling six, seven, eight, nine points ahead of Tom Tillis. And this is even after he got caught in an affair. But he lost and he lost worse than Biden lost, who was only ever pulling one or two points up in the state. I'd never really held out hope that Joe Biden would win North Carolina. He was pulling about as well as Hillary Clinton did here. It's the one state that really remained unchanged and uh, swing state. Uh, so there was a chance he was maybe a point better than Hillary, but I wasn't I wasn't counting on it. But I was counting on uh, Cal Cunningham, and I'm deeply disappointed in his stupid-ass affair now. Uh, you know, at first we thought maybe the affair didn't have an effect, and maybe it didn't. Maybe it was his complete milk-toast personality. Uh, the, the conservatives did a very good job sort of painting him as with a brush of sort of financial incompetence due to some of his employment stuff in the background. No, you know, no real fault, but you know what they do. But he just, you know, in the end, he was a candidate that did not inspire passions, except for apparently in one woman who was a consultant on his campaign. <laughs> Inspired a little bit too much passion, if you know what I mean. But ding, hubba, hubba. Yeah, anyway, that sucked. And I'm like, what is with this, man? Keep your, keep your fucking thing in your pants. Keep it in your pants. It's not that hard. The fate of the country rests on you. In this case, quite literally, we are two behind with runoffs. And, you know, there's no guarantee we were going to even get those two to runoffs. And you had to fucking go do something that stupid. I will never forgive that, man. I'm very angry. Uh, yeah, the state has a really hard time getting uh, Senate candidates. Deborah Ross was great, but she didn't really make it. She did win her House seat this term, though, for Wake County, which is quite nice. Uh, I like Colonel Mo Davis. He lost to a 30-year-old Nazi out in the Asheville area, which is kind of sad. Uh, yeah, that's a bummer. The dude literally visited the Eagle's Nest, and he's the one that did the Cry More Libs tweet on uh, <laughs> election night. Which, of course, looks really stupid now that uh, Joe Biden flipped four states in his direction is winning the popular vote by more than five million and probably the largest win ever since the Reagan and may even beat Reagan in the end. But uh, yeah, so the election, that was rough. That took up a lot of my time. Um, and then, of course, we have Trump's crazy antics since the election. I generally think that he's going to give up. I don't know what the hell is going on with the uh, Department of Defense. So that kind of freaks me out. Uh, but I'm still, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm like, I'm focused on Georgia. I'm practicing self-care. Uh, Rachel Maddow got coronavirus like two days after the election. No, I'm sorry. That's not true. That is incorrect. She was exposed to someone who had the coronavirus, so she is quarantining. Uh, so I'm not watching any MSNBC now that the election's called. I, I put together sort of a contribution fund for Georgia for both the candidates for other political organizations, including, including Stacey Abrams. And some other minority on the ground get out the vote operations. And uh, I've raised, uh, I'm getting close to 5,000 bucks now I'm through my Facebook friends. So that's pretty awesome. Um, 
Yeah, so that's it. That's what's going on with the politics. Uh, it's all about Georgia. I, 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 I'm ignoring most everything in the interim until it gets really bad. I'm not one of those people worried too much about a quote-unquote coup. I don't think Trump really has a chance. It's too, it's too big of a win. It's too many states. The rest of my life proceeds apace. Uh, working on the Andy Shea book. It's all done. I just ordered 30 copies of the journals for everybody that wanted one. Uh, that's very excited to have that project done. The edit's done, the cover's done. It looks beautiful. I got, I got my test print right here. Very excited to have wrapped that up. I've uh, been thinking about Andy a lot this week. Uh, I got some of his personal effects mailed to me from his roommate and Christine and some photos right here that he had kept in his drawer, his photo drawer. And, and I was watching that uh, repair shop show again this week, which is this heartwarming show from England where they repair antiques family heirlooms and Andy really liked it too and we used to text about it so that was making me sad and then uh, no updates on Sydney West our old babysitter who has disappeared out west that is very very sad parents have been putting out some heartfelt messages on Facebook and hey man I feel for him I feel for him once you're a parent man you feel for all other parents the kitties are doing well, though. Uh, since we last talked to you, we had to take the kitties to get fixed, all four of them in two batches. Getting a kitty fixed around here costs uh, like 400 bucks. So our kitties, all four of these foster kitties, would have been $1,600 to fix. We only own two of these kitties now. The other two are still fosters. And uh, so there's this nonprofit program. Then you can go and uh, get, they'll, they'll fix cats for, I think, like 20 bucks or something. But it's a giant hassle, and it, it, it's like a it's like old timey circuit court, right? It sort of passes through your town. It goes around the whole state, and it passes through your town, and you got to book a date on, when it's in your town. And we're not in a town, so you know it goes to Durham, it goes to Chapel Hill, it goes to Pittsburgh, it goes to Sanford towns near us. Durham and Chapel Hill fill up very very fast. So we got two kitties into the Pittsburgh one, which is like twenty miles away, and two kitties into the Sanford one, which is like forty miles away. Two different weeks, last Wednesday and this Wednesday. And you know, it takes these kitties a few days to heal, and you know, you gotta sequester the kitties that are healing from the other kitties, and it's uh, it's a lot. But they're they're doing well. Uh, one of the kitties got adopted, and the guy's coming to pick it up on Saturday. Him up. We are keeping two. So there's one more cute black kitty up for adoption if you live in the uh, the Triangle area and you're looking for an adorable black kitty. Oh, they're so cute. They're so cute. We need to name them. Uh, Bello and Callie are their adoptee names. Kind of like maybe thinking, you know, the Callie is a calico. We've been kind of thinking maybe uh, derivative names like Bella, like Bella Lugosi's dead. It's a little bit Twilight, though. <laughs> wow, I never made that connection. Do you think Bella is named Bella in Twilight because of Bella Lugosi? Huh. Hmm. The more you think about it. Uh, anyway, and then Callie, maybe Kaylee, like from Firefly. I don't know. I, I've never been a big fan of sci-fi names, but my wife is. Uh, we both really loved our old cat's name, Mrs. Fanny Bottoms, though. And we were, thinking maybe, we were thinking maybe all the cats are bottoms of some sort. Maybe it's Mrs. Callie Bottoms. I don't know. So we're working on it. We're working on that. Uh, still not really venturing out of the house, out of the room too much though. Maybe once we're down to just the two that we own, it's hard. It's hard. And you know, I like fostering cats. I think once the second or the fourth, the final cat is adopted and the two that we own are out in the house, I would, I would foster more. Uh, that is the room my mother will stay in if she can ever get here. We got to figure out that whole thing, which is a nightmare in the face of 
the coronavirus. Uh, that just reminded me that I have to talk to my sister about that in 20 minutes. But um, yeah, it's, it's really rewarding. Uh, fostering kitties. It's a good time. I recommend it. I got continuing drama with my server. It uh, transpires that one of the expansion chassis was, in fact, effective, the one with the time machine mount on it. So I have sent that back into QNAP, and they are going to replace it. The other two drives are working great. The Plex drive is working great. The cold storage drive is working great. Uh, a little bit of a weird thing with the backup and the cold storage to back blaze, but uh, that's fixed. It's backed up now. Uh, my friend Todd Osborne told me about these really, this really good deal on 14 terabyte drives for under $200 each from Western digital through Best Buy. So I bought four of those and the plan was to expand each raid methodically over the next month. First using the 14 terabytes to expand the Plex mount one by one. They're all raid five. So you can expand them by swapping each disc each time until the raid is on the new disc and then expanding the storage pool and then you know, reformat them, do it again and again. It could take weeks, it could take months. But because I don't have a time machine mount right now, two of the drives are now attached to mine and Emma's computers as local time machine drives. So I won't be doing that. I don't know when this thing, I'm not when I'm going to get the new one. I don't know anything. Uh, so it's kind of like it all works, but it's not the way I want it. So that's going to take a little while. And then uh, really in the studio stuff and turning to two projects, I made a second consultation appointment with a second company, Modern Shelving to get a shelving sort of plan for my studio. There's this wall that I want to put like a big sort of shelf system on it, right? Uh, I'd love to do built-ins, but Emma's a little th thinks maybe that's just a bad idea because it's too permanent. Also, I don't know if I want workmen in here, and uh, it's probably a little expensive. And then I got a estimate from Vitso for the old, you know, the Dieter Rahm's classic uh, 604 system, but it was way too expensive. And then I tried to get a estimate and a consultation from container store, but that didn't work. So I'm going to check out these modern shelving people talking to them on Monday. It could be really cool. I really want that shelf. It would make me very, very happy. Uh, things are getting a little cluttered. Books are a real problem in this house right now. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. And then this big sir and this audio interface. Once the audio interface comes, the new one, it's a, uh, it's lower quality, but more channels, right? I'm switching to focus right from universal audio. And it's got eight channels, but it's also got the eight, eight at in. So I'll have 16 channels, which is more than I have now. I think I have 10 channels now. So I think I could theoretically get all my instruments and keyboards and everything. I could get rid of this keyboard sub mixer I'm using. And uh, yeah, so that'll be a whole new studio rewire, which is kind of pointless given that I barely make music anymore. But this is my, I'm going to do that and I'm going to start making music. I'm going to make a new album. I'm, 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 I've been thinking about it a lot and I, I want to try. Uh, fuck it, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> You'll probably never hear me talk about that again. But the interface is ordered. It should be here this next week. So, yeah, we will see. Maybe I can do some stuff over the Thanksgiving holiday if all goes well. Gardening's going great. Everything is, uh, there's still, yeah, you know, the herbs are still growing. I got a sweet bell pepper plant still growing outside. I got the broccoli are still growing. Uh, they haven't showed broccoli yet, but they're still going. Uh, and a lot of, I still have a lot of basil outside, but all the pepper plants are gone. All the tomato plants are done. Uh, and that's not true. I got two cherry tomato plants still just limping along, putting out a few tomatoes, but things are winding down and it's going to be like, uh, oh, my, my snow peas, which I failed at millions of times through the summer. It's very obvious snow peas are a cold winter crop because they're going crazy now. They're just very happy. I got two, three snow pea plants and they're just going like gangbusters. So stuff is still going. I definitely didn't plan as well as I could have for winter or for fall, though. And I understand that now. 
next fall I will do new tomatoes uh, in the fall and I will do other crops, brassicas, things, lettuces, things that work in the fall and uh, not try and extend my summer plants into the fall. And But the compost is going great. I'm going to have a lot of compost. I feel really good about that. I made a trip to Home Depot, got some bins for mulch and compost. Uh, to reclaim the the soil I'm using in my pots now so I can combine it with compost next year to make fresh compost. It's pretty exciting. I like gardening. It really, you know, A, it's good exercise, and we aren't doing our, week, our nightly walks anymore because of the fucking daylight savings time. That's a real bummer. But, uh, yeah, gardening, vacuuming leaves, making the, the leaf mold, that sort of exercise is all I'm really getting. So it's got to be done. It's got to be done. Jane's doing well. Uh, he's having some trouble with bedtime. She, you know, we had this whole routine bedtime thing that she was into and she's just throwing it out the window, which is fine. I think, I mean, the routine was there for her benefit, not mine, but I need to like, just accept that she doesn't have the routine and I'm going to be like, okay, it's, you know, I don't know. Tonight's my first night. I'm going to try a new tack with it and I'm a little nervous, but, uh, last few times I've just given up on the routine and been frustrated and just been put her in bed and be like, good night and ran off. And I'm going to try and be patient with her tonight. And I, I'll be firm. I'm putting her to bed at eight 30, no matter what. But you know, she, I, I don't know. It's a little rough. It's kind of stressing me out. And I really think it's probably all related to the time change. She ostensibly got through the time change really well. It doesn't seem to have affected her, but a lot of her sleep and nap stuff is all sort of messed up since then. I'm blaming the time change. So we'll see. We'll see. She's doing good other than that. Uh, she learned negative sign and degrees. <laughs> I taught her like minus five degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> Fahrenheit and Celsius. Uh, we just taught her the infinity symbol, the sense sign. Uh, what else did we just do? Uh, there's a couple other other new ones. But uh, yeah, she's doing good. Yeah, she's, she's a pleasant kid most of the time. Most of the time. Parenting's hard, though. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Uh, added some stuff to Plex for you guys this week. Uh, Queen Margot, the 1994 film. Margot. Fantastic film. Hadn't seen it in ages. Uh, Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values <laughs> with Christina Ricci in them. Somebody mentioned those, and I was like, oh, my God, those are great. I haven't seen those in ages. Added those. Uh, 1975's Listomania, if you are a fan. And Ida, I-D-A, uh, the film by the guy that made Cold War, the Polish film which is my one of my favorite films ever. Uh, Ida was on the server, but it was kind of a crappy copy, so I upgraded that to 1080p, full MKV with all the audio and subtitles and everything like that. And then an old documentary we watched with a friend of ours here at the house a while ago that I forgot to ever put up there called Antonio Lopez, Sex and Fashion and Disco. It's a great documentary if you're into fashion in the 70s and whatnot. Uh, I sold a few CDs. I sold The Legendary Pink Dots, Malachi Shadow Weaver Part 2, and I re-listened to it, and it's a pretty good record. I, I, I forgot about that record, and it was solid, and it was it really took me back. Uh, I was really obsessed with The Legendary Pink Dots in that period. Uh, met Edward Cospell back then, took him to Taco Bell. <laughs> Went to see him in Montreal, saw Pink Dots in Limelight, New York, and a bunch of Boston shows. That guy remembers everybody's name forever. They came here to Chapel Hill since we lived here, and I didn't go, and I deeply regret it. Now, especially that I'm listening to him again. Also, Edward Cospell and the Pink Dots have a new song out with Badfinger. It just came out this week. <laughs> so if you're a Badfinger fan, this is the, the chance you've been waiting for to get in on the legendary Pink Dots. Uh, I sold the Ultimate Otis Redding. That wasn't one of my CDs. I think that was one of Tikva's. And I sold Nurse with Wounds, Sylvian Babs, Hi-Fi Companion, original CD pressing. I kind of regret selling that. 
probably would like to own it on vinyl, but uh, I'm sure it's been reissued, but I would want an original. And I believe I sold my original to Gibby back in the 90s. So that's a shame. It's gone. No more Sylvian Babs, Hi-Fi and Companion. Got a bunch of vinyl in the mail. I got the Yola Tango new EP, Sleepless Nights, a bunch of covers. It's beautiful. Got the Bright Eyes album. We talked about that before. Down in the Weeds, Where the World Once Was Born. Was Once Born, I guess. Uh, anyway, uh, pretty good record. You know, Bright Eyes. I, I keep up. I keep up. Every once in a while, they surprise you. And there are two or three songs on that that are just genuinely beautiful. Angel Olsen, Whole New Mess. We've talked about that. It was sort of the proto version of All Mears, uh, like the, almost like the demos. And uh, it's great. I uh, got a Bratmobile record, Potty Mouth, uh, Vinyl Me Please pressing. Uh, I didn't like whatever was last month's Vinyl Me Please pressing, so I did a swap, and they had a, I didn't even know about this. They had a Bratmobile reissue in there from ages ago, so I got that. Got uh, some Mount Erie records from K Records. I'm on the K Records mailing list, and they suckered me into ordering Lost Wisdom Part 2 and another Mount Erie record because I'm obsessed with Phil Ilvernum. I was really unimpressed when I first started listening to him, but now I just can't stop. That guy, he like speaks to my soul, man. Uh, every time this happens, though, he, he, uh, you know, he'll probably turn out to be problematic in some weird way. That would be shocking, actually. <laughs> Phil Ilvernum turned out to be problematic. <laughs> uh, I just get so nervous now when I get up and become a fan of something, especially something by one individual, that they'll turn out to be a bad person. But for now, Phil Elvernum, you're all right in my book. Uh, albums. So I remember this band from the 90s called Balter Space. I was thinking about them last week. I was like, man, that band, they're kind of like cool but scary, but a little shoegazy. And like they're around before Mogwai. And I bet they like, actually, if I listen to them now, I'd really like them. I had seen them once back in the day. And uh, some friends of mine from New Zealand were really into them. They're a New Zealand band. And so I did. I went and listened to Bilter Space, and they're awesome. I listened to five of their records. I listened to Capsule and Vortua and Robot World and Whammo and Thermo Thermos. I guess that's Thermos, like what you drink. I don't know. Anyway, they're awesome. Bilter Space are awesome. If you're into post-rock or shoegaze or anything like that, they're ahead of their time. And then I just read, apparently they did a reunion in New York at Bowery Ballroom while I lived there. So I should have gone to that. That's a bummer. But honestly, I hadn't thought about Bilter Space in 20 three years or something and uh man yeah just a great band just a great band uh and then i listened to the monkey's headquarters because i had mr dabalina by del the funky homo sapien in my head for days on end mr dabalina mr bob dabalina uh and i was listening to that and then i was like well what's up with mr dabalina i went and read the wikipedia page and it turns out that mr dabalina was not a sample but it was basically like a remake of a sample from a monkey's record a song called Vortex on Headquarters. And I thought I was up to speed on the weird, cool era of the monkeys. But for some reason, Headquarters, just I never listened to it. And so I listened to it. It's a great record, man. I love that period of monkeys when they're writing their own music. Good stuff. Uh, and then there's a new Nothing record, Shoegaze Band. I just love the death. It's called The Great Dismal. Uh, it's fantastic if you're into heavy shoegaze. God, they make me really happy. Nothing. They just keep cranking out great records. Uh, still working my way through all the Bobby Gentry albums. We got through Patchwork, which I really loved. Quali album, if you're into Bobby Gentry, because she's just so great, man. You know, <laughs> Ode to Billy Joe is one of my favorite songs when I was like nine years old. And then I didn't think of Bobby Gentry for 
40 years and now I'm totally obsessed. So thank you, Mercury Rev for doing that Delta Sweet cover album. And, uh, yeah, Bobby Gentry, man, she's awesome. So patchwork is a great album. Listen to that Bratmobile album. That's pretty good. Took me back. Having to listen to like some pure riot girl action in a while. That was solid. Listen to Ariana Grande, uh, Positions, it's called. Again, at two listens, and I enjoyed it, but none of the songs have stuck yet. But uh, it's fun. Uh, the new Paul Bearer, good metal album, Forgotten Days, if you're into that sort of thing. If you're into, like, thrash punk, Mr. Bungle has a new album where they remake some of their oldest original demos. It's called The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny Demo. <laughs> it's completely absurd but it's a good time uh I, yeah mr bungle's doing it man i saw mr bungle god that show is insane populate itself and mr bungle in 1991 yeah i think 1991 cure for sanity for populate itself and mr bungle that first record at Axis in Boston, and it was just, it was one of the craziest shows I ever saw in my life. I had never even heard of Mr. Bungle. Obviously, knew Faith One More, knew, knew Mike Patton, but like, you know, no idea. And I was just like, that is the craziest man I've ever seen. And uh, I've kept up casually through the years. I've seen most of Mike Patton's uh, various acts. Emma and I caught his hip hop act at Coachella one year, and she was like, who the hell is this guy? And I was like, that is Mike Patton for Faith One More. And she didn't know anything about his, you know, other career. And she was like, what the hell? <laughs> but anyway, this is, you know, this is them reworking an old original demo. And it's pretty solid. Uh, on a Springsteen kick, I watched the movie for Letter to You. And it was all right. I mean, you know, like I, I, I talked a lot to you guys when I watched the Western Stars movie. And one of the things I was really obsessed with in that movie was the architecture of the barn. I was really into the barn. And so it looked to me like uh, the Letter to You movie was also filmed in that barn. And then I started watching. I was like, oh, no, it's filmed in another like incredibly expensive, beautiful timber framed building on his property. This one housing a studio that with millions of dollars a gear. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I kind of like I <laughs> I have very mixed feelings about this. I get my I get really like worked up about rich people making great albums when they have plenty of money in home studios and whatnot because you know it just makes it so much easier because one of my biggest obstacles in making music is the studio stuff I just hate doing it and obviously if you can afford to own the studio and pay some guy full time to live there and keep it up it, it makes it a lot easier what who are we kidding right and then also like I really do like making of documentaries or records and movies but I like them to be actual making of things and not these like pastiche sort of like we pretend the band records the whole album while playing at the same time in the studio things like the Nick Cave one, same thing. Like they're good, but they're not because it's not real. And this one too, like they just pretend they're playing the whole album together and it's just, it bothers me. But the in between, and you know, and then he's got these like verbose sort of interludes and they're, he's got a special gift. You know, like a lot of this stuff Springsteen says could be really schlocky if it came out of someone else's mouth. And it's even a little schlocky coming out of his mouth, but it works in a way. And I don't know, it filled me with feels nonetheless for all of this, right? Especially just like these old friends, these dudes that have known each other for like 40, 50 years, like making a record together. And there's, there's a lot of emotion there. And and uh, I miss being in a band. I'm not going to lie, you know, and like maybe when I'm old, me and my friends will all be in the same place and we can make music together again, you know only in my dreams 
anyway, so yeah, uh, and then I after that I listened to high, I'm like working my way through those mid period later mid period Springsteen's albums. So I listened to High Hopes and Wrecking Ball and The Promise. I really loved The Rising, and then I didn't really pay attention to Bruce Springsteen again for a long time. And then uh, a couple albums ago, I started paying attention again. But I, you know, I had heard some of this stuff, but I never really listened to him all the way through. The early stuff I know very well, of course. That was like what I always liked, but. High Hopes is a great record. Uh, Wrecking Ball was pretty good. Promise didn't really care for. Um, but yeah, all in all, that guy, man, he pursues his thing. He just keeps on going. He's in his 70s, and he looks great. He sounds great. He wears T-shirts. <laughs> uh, as a man that only wears a T-shirt and not a lot of layers, I, I admire other people that only wear a T-shirt and not a lot of layers. So, you know, the bosses that got that going for him, that's, that's, that's something. Uh, listen to the new Kylie Minogue disco. It was fun. I would watch that live. Em and I saw Kylie at the Hammerstein Ballroom back in the day. Not that long ago. Six, seven years ago. And she's super fun. And the album's fun, but I didn't catch any like specifically great singles or anything yet. But I only listened to it once. I did not listen to near as much music in the last two weeks as usual, owing to the election. So we're actually almost done here. Uh, Calvin Johnson, the Sons of the Soil. Calvin Johnson is lead singer, Beat Happening, and founder of K Records. So whenever you order some stuff from K Records, he tends to throw in some Calvin Johnson stuff as well. It's kind of brilliant. Uh, so I listened to that, and I really enjoyed it. It's a good album. It's funny. It's got some weird spoken word stuff on it, a little country. Then I listened to an old Swirlies record, Blood, Tongue, Audio, Baton, uh, on the recommendation of my friend Why Mike, because it had a song on there that sounded like a song from the Nothing record. And uh, the Swirlies, man. So Boston band, I've seen them live a million times, but there's a lot of like lineup changes and different styles through the years. I was friends for a while with Shauna, who was in the Swirlies for a while, and then she went into Syrup USA. I don't know what happened to her, but she was great. She was awesome. We got along great. But um, and I don't even, you know, like I don't know when this record sits in the Swirlies discography. I think I'm going to need to go and start at the beginning with the Swirlies and listen to them all, figure out which ones have Shauna, which ones don't. Uh, yeah, and just sort of dig into it all. But um, that was a great record. Very shoegaze. I, I, maybe it was before I got to Boston. I feel like I don't remember them being quite so shoegaze when I was around. So that, that bears some research. There's a new Heathered Pearls album just came out yesterday. Uh, Cast, it's called. Super ambient, super mellow. Very pretty. A couple spoken word things in there as well. And just really nice. I really enjoyed it. Um, yep, might buy that on vinyl, actually thinking about it uh and there's a new hate rock htrk new single only uh it's called real head fuck and reverse deja vu i <laughs> this band's name and their music are becoming less and less uh more and more incongruous as the time goes by they're just kind of this like pretty mellow almost everything but the girl but a little bit spookier band now they used to be like really scary and they name hate rock you know but now it's just like I like the new stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, it's not the name doesn't work with them right now. They should change their name or something. I bet they could be huge, but it was great. I really enjoyed it. I listened to that last night. And then just this morning, there's a new Jay-Zu album, Justin Broderick, originally of Godflesh. He's in like a million bands. Jay-Zu is probably one of my favorites. It started out kind of shoegaze grindcore, and now it's like beautiful ambient shoegaze dub. It's hard to explain, but it's a really, really pretty album. A lot of, you know, a lot of what Justin Broderick does is pretty underneath the sludge and, and grindcore, but this is just genuinely a pretty record. It's got some female vocals on it too, which is pretty crazy. It's a good record. Jesu, man. Saw them live once in a tent at South by Southwest. Saw Godflesh once. Uh, wish I could have seen them again. They played here in North Carolina since we moved here, and I didn't go because it was in Raleigh, and it was 45 minutes away. 
Anyway, let's see. We got television, uh, Great British Baking Show we've been watching. It's very rewarding. It came in very handy when we were, you know, trying to get through election misery. Uh, and then I watched Saturday Night Live. They did a phenomenal job with the, uh, you know, immediately after the election being called, they went on the air and uh, Dave Chappelle did the monologue. It was spotty but gutsy and uh some really like painful truths and awkward shit and like the cigarette was probably a bit much but that's his thing and uh you know he's taking some risks so i'll give him that it was intense there's a few like a lot of groans from the audience (laughs) oh it was funny i thought it was pretty good and uh i finished lovecraft country i could not figure out what was going on in the finale but i enjoyed it anyway it was very interesting and spooky and kind of weird and I would watch more of that. Uh, we are watching The Mandalorian. Haven't watched episode three yet, but I love Mandalorian. I'm very happy it's back. That was fantastic. First one was great. Second one was like a weird little sort of side adventure, but I enjoyed it a lot. I love that show. It makes me happy. I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm very excited about it after I watch Jane. And we listened to everyone and we started watching Ted Lasso, which is just hilarious and it makes me so happy. It is so good and it's so heartwarming and it's just, it's just the best. And then I chose a new show for watching by myself after finishing Lovecraft Country. I watched that without Emma. I have a show without her and then we have shows together. So now I'm going to watch The Leftovers. I've watched the first five episodes of season one. Everybody tells me it gets better in season two. So, but I, I like it. It's way dark, which is what everybody said. There is a little bit of a strain of humor in it, but it's it's easy to miss. And I can see why uh, he amped up the humor when he did the Watchmen to make the humor a little bit more obvious. Because it's man, you blink and you miss it with the humor. And it can be it's dark. It's a lot, but it's good. Um, I think I'd get bored after a few seasons, but you know, it's only three seasons and everybody says it gets better to the end. So I'm going to go for it, man. I'm going to go for it. Other than that, it's just a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of civilization videos, a lot of gardening videos. Got really obsessed with videos on recycling plastic, how to make machines that recycle plastic, what to do with recycled plastic, how to make molds, how to handle the vapor, getting really obsessed with that. Um, uh, some pro audio stuff on the new updates of of Logic here. A lot of like Apple Silicon stuff. You know, Apple finally announced their first Silicon Macs. Low end stuff, just like uh, Mac Minis and MacBook and MacBook Pro. So nothing like I would use. I stick to the desktops and I stick to the high end desktops. And I think where I'm at now with this computer, the Mac Pro 28 core on Big Sur, I'm going to stay here for two or three years. And until they get the pros on uh, Apple Silicon, and that's going to be a while. If they had three of those M1 chips in a uh, in a pro machine, so for a total of 24 cores, I would get that. That would be sweet. But that's going to be a while. They got to figure out how to get more RAM into them because the RAM's on the system on the chip. And there's only, what, 16 gigs of RAM you can get in one of these things, tops? I mean, that's just nothing, man. I guess, yeah, it's not going to work. I got 128 gigs of RAM. Um, a whole other thing I did related is I installed Parallels on my computer to try and play Civilization in Windows, and it crashed. And so I have a tech support call with the Parallels people next week. See if I can get that working. That'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, oh, we watched the Borat subsequent movie film the week before the election, right after we did the podcast. That was funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were fine. 
It was very obvious Giuliani was being a perv, <laughs> trying to pretend otherwise is absurd. And it was impressive the way he could put this film together with everybody knowing who Borat was. I thought the most impressive part was hitting up CPAC and hiding in the bathroom for hours in his Donald Trump outfit. That was very well done. That was very impressive. And the woman, the daughter, whoever she played, whoever played the daughter, was amazing. She was really, really solid. Just a phenomenal actress. And I could not tell, but I read that the, the two of them are speaking different languages together to each other, and Americans just can't even tell, which I think is particularly hilarious. Other than that, yeah, I think that's about everything that's going on. Diets <laughs> stalled. Hard to diet when you got a very stressful election going on. Andy Shea book's done. Almost ready for a new project, but mm, I think we're going to wait until after the inauguration. That's the day I'm holding out hope for now. You got to have hope. You got to have something to look forward to. could be a little thing like a, like a, a jar of hot sauce coming in the mail, you know, hypothetically, or something bigger like the inauguration of a new president. But if you got some hope, you're going to be all right. about it for this week we keep kind of short the last couple have been very long i had definitely been soothing my soul with lots of music which takes a long time to talk about but uh not so much this week this week i tormented my soul with politics so thank god that's over hope you guys got through it all right you're doing all right talk to you guys soon thanks for listening and take care